0: Dr. Ann Scarce was raised in Orange County, California. She had an interest in veterinary medicine when she was young, but changed her mind and studied international relations and German at the University of California, Davis, with a mind toward a career in the State Department. During a year of study abroad, she changed her mind and decided to apply to veterinary school. She earned her DVM from the University of California, Davis in 1999. Afterwards, she joined a mixed animal practice in Central California with an emphasis on dairy medicine. After five years in that practice, she worked in a few small animal practices before settling at her current practice, where she's been for the last 17 years. Looking for additional tools to help her hospice patients, she became certified in acupuncture by IVIS in 2015. She's also certified in Chinese herbal medicine by Qi University and completed David Winston's two-year program in Western herbal medicine. She has additional training in both Western herbal medicine and integrative oncology. Currently, she continues to work in small animal practice and teaches with Dr. Lori Doman at Purple Moon Herbs and Studies. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Ann Scarce as we discuss her education, practice progression, holistic training, and her thoughts on the future of integrative medicine. Dr. Scarce, thanks for uh, taking some time on your Saturday morning to talk.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Orange County, California, about two miles from Disneyland. Oh, wow.
0: Um, Did you have a lot of pets growing up?
1: I tried to. Uh, My parents are not really dog. They're not really pet people. So I always wanted more than my parents would let me have.
0: Gotcha. Um, Did you always want to be a veterinarian or when did that come up in your life?
1: I did want to be a veterinarian when I was a little girl. Um, and then I decided that it was gross. And I didn't want to be a veterinarian. And I did not decide to be a veterinarian until my junior year in college. Really? Yeah. What
0: What, what was your career goal before that?
1: Um, State department. I actually have a degree in international relations in German. It's my bachelor's.
0: Ah. And what changed your mind?
1: Um, I... I had taken animal science one and two as part of like our, you know, breath requirements. When I was an undergrad, I went to UC Davis Mm -hmm. and uh, I went to Germany. I studied a year abroad uh, my junior year. When I got there, I realized that maybe the State Department wasn't for me. You know, when you kind of see America's standing in Europe and, and what the State Department requires of you. And I literally had an epiphany on the Charles Bridge in Prague. Cause I, you know, no idea what I wanted to do. And I was like, I think I'll be a vet.
0: (laughs) So uh, what part of Germany did you, did you go to?
1: I lived in uh, Göttingen, which is a very small university town, pretty much in the dead center of Germany. I was only about eight or 10 kilometers from the former East German border, but in the reunification that puts it in the center of, of the country. And that's actually where the Brothers Grimm taught
0: ah so what in particular took you there
1: uh uc davis has their their year abroad program at university of gettingen and so that's where i went um and i decided before the school year started that i wanted to be a vet i almost came home um but i decided to start my veterinary career in germany so i took biology in german wow which, which was interesting and i uh, worked at a veterinary, uh, they call it the veterinary institute, but it's like a, it would be like a public health hospital, or, or there was a public health lab, there was a um, semen bank, there was a bunch of animal related things in this building. And so I went there and hung out there on my times when I wasn't in school.
0: Did you enjoy living there? I loved it. Yeah? Yeah. Have you been back since?
1: Uh, I went back the summer between my junior and senior year in vet school and then I haven't been back
0: what did you uh did you work or was it just travel when you went back that second time?
1: It was travel it was it was a month of backpacking college student style so we had a good time.
0: Oh that's awesome. um do you still speak German? How do you find do. Uh, how do you who do you practice with or who do you speak with
1: uh I have one of my staff members, her mom is from Switzerland, and so mm-hmm. she speaks Swiss German, which is a, a different dialect, but she's trying to learn high German, which is what I speak. And so we talk at work in German.
0: Well, that, that That's really cool to have someone to, uh, to speak with.
1: Mm-hmm. And I've also, I get a lot of, uh, on Instagram, I have somehow gotten into the German algorithm, so I get a lot of German stuff. So I still read German and and all that.
0: Do you write in German?
1: I can. Yeah. I mean, I went to the university. I had to write papers and take tests and all of that in German.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you've kept up with it.
1: Mm -hmm. A a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Do you speak any other languages?
1: I speak a smattering of Spanish and a
0: smattering of Portuguese. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So you made this decision, you got through the year, and then what happened when you came back to school?
1: I came back to UC Davis, uh, had to finish my degree, but then take all the prerequisites to get into vet school. Yeah. And I did it in like a year and a half. And then I also was working at the teaching hospital, which is really how I got into vet school
0: because I was working at the teaching hospital. (laughs) What were you doing there?
1: Um, I did some internships, so I worked a little bit in large animal radiology and then I worked in the food animal barn and I became, first I started milking cows that were hospitalized cows. And then I became a tech for after hour surgeries. Um, and then I worked a couple summers as a full-time tech in, in the food animal barn because my initial job as a veterinarian was a dairy vet.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, and you see Davis has a nice dairy uh, emphasis, right?
1: Yeah, they do. They have a great program.
0: Um, herd health. Yes. Yeah. So got into Davis. Did you enjoy school?
1: I did. I did enjoy school. And I had not really been academic prior to that. And getting into vet school and then vet school, I became much more academic.
0: Did you feel you had to, or was it just something that came naturally?
1: I felt like I had to then. And I think now, since then, it's something that I really come to love. You know, I'm, I am always learning.
0: Yeah. Did you feel, um, to give you any sense of ease having worked and worked and working there while you were a student, did you feel like you you knew people and kind of knew the buildings and all that sort of thing?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause I knew a lot, especially with the large animal professors, I knew most of them pretty well, you know, and had worked with many of them late into the night, <laughs> you know, so you have a, a different relationship with them. Um, and I knew the, you know, I kind of knew the way the school worked and, and it also gave me a nice, uh, even in my first few years of vet school, it gave me a very good clinical outlook too. You know, I could apply what I was learning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that gave you a nice balance, right?
1: mm-hmm yeah
0: so did you uh looking back do you think would you have changed your undergraduate studies to something more hard science based or do you think it it's been a it was a nice balance to have something completely different
1: I think it was a nice balance I think that uh you know had I not gone to Germany I wouldn't have had this experience you know I there was no way I was going to go into hard sciences as an incoming freshman that was no I did not think that was anything. Um, but, you know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, our life experiences are what lead us to where we are. And it, it gave me a much richer background.
0: Sure. And just a different way of looking at things, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of my um, dairy practitioners really liked that, or dairy clients really liked that I hadn't only ever grown up on a dairy and knew what my dad did. I looked at things with a much fresher perspective.
0: That's interesting. All right. So you, you were, you had an eye toward dairy practice. Was it, um, having been kind of spent a lot of time in the teaching hospital, did you ever consider an academic food animal career?
1: Not at that point. I had, I had never considered an academic. I wanted to get out. I wanted to practice.
0: You know, gotcha. Yeah. So I was ready to go. So what? Where did you go right after graduation then?
1: Um, I moved to a mixed animal practice in the Central Valley in California, um, and so I did mostly dairy. But I would, you know, when I was done doing herd checks and stuff, I would come in in the
0: afternoon and see small animal. How many docs were in the practice? Three. So you had some on call.
1: Oh, and we did all of our own emergencies. So not only did you, you know, you had the large animal emergency, but we would see small animal emergencies. Um, it, and then one of the doctors in the practice also did some equine. So you just never knew what you did.
0: You, you could end up with anything.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> did, you a, did you have a large practice radius? Did you did you all do a lot of driving?
1: Um, we did do a fair amount of driving. We tried to keep our dairy practice within about a 45 minutes radius from the practice because if you were you know say if you were 45 minutes east and you got a call to go 45 minutes west that was that's a lot of driving yeah it so is. that was kind of our area we did have um, a couple uh some of our main clients had uh some smaller dairies out of the area and we would go down and take care of those on a less frequent basis
0: what kind of herd sizes w- were typical for your pra- for that practice? So,
1: Northern Central Valley is m- much smaller than the typical California dairy, so um, California has these massive dairies. I mean, there are some 10 and 15,000 cow dairies, which are just yeah. gigantic. My biggest herd was about 2,000, and it went down to like 300. So we, we had a big variety, but Northern Central Valley is, on average, smaller dairies.
0: That's still, those are huge herds for a three-doctor three practice, I would think.
1: Yeah, I palpate, well, and only two of us did cattle. So um, I palpated about 400 cows a day.
0: Did school prepare you for that? Did you feel like you were ready?
1: Um, I think I was, yeah. I felt pretty prepared. I would spent some time um, with the school working on my palpation, um, and I felt like I, you know, I had a pretty good start pretty quickly. And my clients were amazing in, in welcoming me as a, a young new grad and a woman.
0: I was going to ask. Yeah, you're, you're a 99 grad, so things so were a bit different then.
1: Prior to my graduation year, there were only two women in California doing dairy practice. Uh, and the year I graduated, we graduated sixth in my class, and then about four or five other women came from other states. So the year I graduated, 10 women entered the dairy field in California. But we were really, we were the first or some that's of the first, you know.
0: Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Were you all doing uh, other parts of population medicine besides the repro stuff? Were you, you know, doing record analysis or any of that?
1: Yeah, we did a lot of record analysis. My practice did, milk. we cultured milk and did milk. Mastitis samples and milk analysis and that sort of thing. Um, we did a ton of records analysis. I never really got into the nutrition end all my guys had nutrition nutritionists that they work with, mm-hmm. but yeah, we did all the other stuff
0: what uh what program are you using to to do that?
1: Oh gosh, I don't every dairy everyone had their own like I, we would go into their programs, yeah, okay. um so they all had different programs and gosh. I quit full-time dairy practice in 2004, so I don't even remember.
0: <laughs> All right. So we got, were you five years in that practice then? I was five years in that practice. Where'd you go next?
1: Uh, I went to small animal medicine in the Bay Area. And then I, I've like six of my dairy clients wanted me to stay with them. So I palpated, I palpated cows up until 2019.
0: 2019. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: Um, but. I didn't, it was only, I would only palpate cows and, uh, do brucellosis vaccination. I didn't do any of the other herd health stuff
0: or emergencies. So you went into, uh, besides the, the kind of dairy sidelight, you went into a small mm-hmm. animal practice.
1: Went into a small animal practice. Uh, I left dairy practice cause I got burned out and I had no intention of continuing to practice medicine. Um, I took that small animal job so that I could go in, get ready to go to get into an MPH program.
0: So how many doctors were in the practice?
1: There were just two of us in that practice.
0: And you're doing full service, small animal,
1: full service, small animal. Um, and it really, that practice really allowed me to refine my love of veterinary medicine.
0: Well, yeah. So what prompted the change for the move?
1: I was very burned out. I was working 80 hours a week. Um, and just exhausted all the time. And uh, I just couldn't keep up. And I thought, gosh, I can't do this for the rest of my life, you know, and and decided I needed to change. And I didn't even actually want to be a vet anymore. I was going to go get an MPH and work in public health.
0: Davis has a nice reputation for that, for, for an MPH program, yeah?
1: They do. I actually was going to go to Emory and go to Washington, D.C., or go to Atlanta. I wanted to work for the CDC.
0: Ah, okay. So you got into this practice in san francisco and you liked it
1: i liked it and i you know it it reignited my love for internal medicine and i enjoyed small animal practice you know immensely and so i i stuck with small animal medicine
0: so how long were you in that practice
1: i was in that practice uh just for a year Mm -hmm. Uh, the commute was pretty tough i was commuting from the central valley into the bay area which is A lot of traffic. And so some days it would take me three hours to commute.
0: (laughs) Ah, crushing. Yeah. So what happened? Where'd you go after that?
1: Then I went to another small animal practice um, that actually also saw exotics in a town about a half hour south of me and worked there for about a year and a half. And then I came to the practice I've been at for 17
0: years. Ah, okay. And when did holistic medicine come into it?
1: Um, Holistic medicine, I started, uh, I got my acupuncture certification through IVIS in 2014, 2013, you know, 14, 15. Um, And I came to holistic medicine because I was getting more and more into hospice care.
0: Uh Ah, okay.
1: And I wanted to offer palliative care through acupuncture to my patients.
0: What practice were you in at that time?
1: Um, I was at the practice I was still, I'm at right now. Okay. Um, and my, the owner of the practice very graciously allowed me to take all that time off to do, to do IVUS. uh, And I realized all the other things that holistic medicine and Chinese medicine can offer. And how many doctors?
0: Crazy. Sorry. How many doctors were in that practice? when you, Two
1: doctors then.
0: Okay. And then where was your IVS course? Did you have to do a lot of travel? or Okay. So not awful.
1: Not awful, but, you know, you still end up being gone about a week, a month, for you know, not quite a week, a month. Oh, yeah. For
0: that did you, time. So you enjoyed the course? I
1: did enjoy the course.
0: Uh-huh. And, and I think that's
1: where it became more academic.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, did, but I did. It just was eye-opening. You know, yeah. it just, I felt like it gave me a whole new toolbox. And, and, you know, I'd been practicing for, you know, over 10 years at that point. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, look at what else I can offer.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you're, obviously, your co-workers supported you.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Nice. And she continues to be
1: very supportive of me doing holistic and integrative work.
0: That's great. So, after acupuncture, what was next?
1: Uh, after acupuncture, then came uh, Chinese herbal medicine certification through Qi Institute. Mm -hmm. Um, and then came Western herbal certification with David Winston.
0: Ah, okay. When you did your Chinese herbs, did you travel or did you do it remotely?
1: I did it remotely.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really convenient to do it that way, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's wonderful to do it that way, you know? And, uh, yeah, and I really I went through the fee Institute uh, Chinese herbal uh, certification as fast as you can I mean I think I did it a year or a year and a year.
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: and then literally finished my Chinese herbal sort of certif- certification program I saw need to write my case studies uh, <laughs> in September and I started with David Winston in October
0: what uh, sent you to David Winston?
1: I had seen him. Um speak uh with the New York uh Complimentary and Alternative Veterinary Medicine Association. I had gone to one of their conferences in New York and he was the speaker for that weekend. Yeah. And I mean, David's voice captivates me, but I really like how he approaches herbal medicine. hmm Um and you know, n- there are less veterinary programs for Western herbs than there are for Chinese herbs. Right. And so I decided that I was just going to do the human certification, you know, and in my class was Jamie Moran and Cindy Lankanow and Kendra Pope. <laughs> so we kind of all took it together. Yeah. So um,
0: that must've been nice.
1: It was nice, you know, cause then we all kind of brought our voices to the table as well. And we had a couple of really good ER doctors, so we had a great, really medically based group in that program. And
0: I love it. So you brought that brought that back to your practice. How did you in How did you balance the Western herbs and Chinese herbs in your in your clinical work?
1: So I do. I you know, my practice is other than myself uh, and a doctor who works one day a week, you know, v- completely conventional. Um, so I, I do a lot more integrative work. So I will bring in Chinese medicine, uh, when I need, you know, I do a lot of acupuncture, but I also then will bring in herbal modalities as I see fit. And as my clients are open to them, but really what I think I bring to the table is let's talk about healthy living. Let's talk about a holistic approach to what, how can we make your dog or cat healthier without shoving you know, a bunch of pills down their throat or, you know, having seven supplements to give. You know, I really talk about, you know, whole foods and healthy living and all that kind of stuff a lot too.
0: Any uh, training beyond David Winston's then?
1: Um, I've done two of his grad programs since I finished his two-year program. Um, And I've taken some, you know, additional like, you know, integrative oncology courses at Chi Institute and stuff like that, but that was, that's it for the formal training.
0: And you're involved with, uh, with Lori.
1: I am involved with Lori. So Lori and I became friends several years ago and we really became friends, um, you know, on a VBMA eco tour to Scotland. We got really close, um, you know, and, and Lori is such a, a wealth of knowledge and support. And um, I was talking with her one day and I said, you know, my goal is one day to teach for you. I don't know if I'm there yet. And uh, the next day she said, you're starting to teach for. Me.
0: <laughs> and how long ago was that?
1: Uh, that was a couple years ago. OK, so mm. I've I've taught I've co-taught with her um, and another teacher. Uh, last year for the first time. And then um, this year we're taking a sabbatical year and
0: we'll be teaching. Yeah. We should say this is Lori Doman at Purple Moon.
1: Yes. Lori Doman at Purple yeah. Moon.
0: Yeah. yeah. And has, how has that, uh, how has the teaching changed your clinical work?
1: I, again, I think it's deepened it, you know, I, you know, in order to teach we're doing, you know, I've done much deeper dives on on you know, certain herbs. And Lori and I try to look at herbal training, you know, both like ethnobotanically, but also we wanna appreciate that there are many schools of thought in herbal medicine. So we look to Anani Tib, we look to African healing traditions, we look to Native American healing traditions. You know, she's trained in Ayurveda. I have a more of a, you know, TCVM outlook. And we try to blend all that together. And I think it's, it makes for great alchemy. And then one of the other, Julie Wentzel, one of the other teachers also does a lot of rehab work. So she brings that expertise into the mix as well.
0: Do you try to, uh, with your Western herbs, do you try to uh, maintain any sort of um, thought toward herbs that are local to your, to California?
1: I do to some extent, um, I try to keep it with herbs that are um, at least North American. Um, I do try to do some local herbs. I'm very aware of you know, herbs at risk and plants at risk and using those appropriately. You know, um, I try to be very conscious of, you know how much am I going to use sli- slippery elm versus marshmallow those types of things
0: sure who uh, what companies do you like to source for your apothecary
1: I um, I like herbalist and alchemists of course I'm gonna have a bias towards that uh, for tinctures um, and then uh, I use for bulk herbs I either use Star West Botanicals or mountain rose herbs or Jeans Greens has some beautiful bulk herbs
0: hmm <laughs> do you so do you make any of your own medicine?
1: I do for myself, but not for my patients.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: because I work in a in a conventional practice, I have to be kind of aware of of you know, quality control and that sort of thing. You bet. And then I'm I a- use a lot of Jingtong and con
0: Gotcha. Yeah, sure. I'm a bit jealous because you're closer to Mountain Rose, so your ship times are probably a lot better than mine.
1: Unfortunately they're not. Oh no. <laughs> they're slow all the time.
0: That's a frustration.
1: I know. I love I know. the company,
0: but the the ship times are are uh, quite lengthy,
1: right? Which is why I started doing more of Star West Botanicals mm-hmm. because yeah. they're they're faster. And then um, I know Jeans Greens is an East Coast uh, herbal company, but Lori has used them quite a bit, and I've gotten some just gorgeous
0: herbs from them. Just that's, beautiful. That's great. Um, do most of your, your new patients come from internally through the practice or do you get outside referrals?
1: I get both. Um, we get both. Uh, I, we, most, I would say probably 80% are internal referrals. And then we do have some external referrals. We were in a position where we couldn't take any new clients for a while. So that kind of dampened that portion of it. Um, but, uh, And this area is a little bit of a, 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 it's a very urban, suburban, rural interface type of area. So sometimes people are a little bit more skeptical about holistic medicine Yeah. than say like the, you know, than say like the Bay Area.
0: Sure. Sure. Any thoughts on adding other modalities to your practice? Are you pretty happy with where you're at?
1: I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. One day I may consider chiropractic. Uh, and I would really like to do more with Bach flower essences. I think that the emotional component that, that flower essences bring to bring to medicine can be very helpful because we deal with so many emotional
0: issues. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you must now, having just having started with say your hospice patients, you, I imagine your caseload is pretty varied now, though, right?
1: Yeah, my uh, my my caseload is very varied um, because I don't do surgery. I do a lot of internal medicine, and I love conventional internal medicine. You know, give me a really complicated diabetes case, and I love to do that, um, and I often incorporate herbs, you know, integratively with all of that too uh, as much as I can. Uh, and then I tend to see a lot of really sick animals. That's just how it's come down to. I don't get to see a lot of the puppies or the young animals. I see, I see the, the bad ones.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what our medicine's good for.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know? So in your, in your position now, clinically practicing and, and teaching what, what, what do you think, what's your outlook on holistic medicine? Where do you think we're headed?
1: I think there's more and more of a of a desire to do holistic medicine. Uh, I see a lot more of my clients who I never thought would choose holistic medicine choosing holistic medicine. Um, I think people are becoming less and less enamored with, with pharmaceuticals as a whole. Uh, and I think they're becoming more aware of healthy lifestyle being important, not only for themselves, but for the pets.
0: I'd have to agree. Yeah. Well, Anne, it's been wonderful to talk with you. I don't want to keep you on a Saturday. Um, Thanks so much. It was great hearing your story and and I certainly wish you all the luck going forward.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Hope to see you soon.
1: Okay. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Bye-bye.